Hello, I'm Brian Diaz. And I'm Sam Ray. And we're physios or licensed physical therapists at Upright Athlete in Durham, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. My background is in soccer in college, but then I transitioned into triathlons and got up into the national stage in my life after college. My background is in swimming collegiately, and then I've come back down to North Carolina and am now focusing on triathlon. To find out more about us, you can go to uprightathlete.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Hello, welcome to the Upright Athlete Podcast. This is episode one. In this episode, Sam leads a discussion with Julia Ashley, a former UNC soccer standout and current OL Reign player in the NWSL. In this episode, we talk about Julia's rehab while in a pandemic, her success with blood flow restriction, and her eventual return to sport. Enjoy the episode. Julia, what has rehabbing during COVID-19 been like for you? What were your initial plans for your rehab? Yeah, so it's definitely been a unique process for sure. Initially got injured in January in Australia, and then my plan was to come back to the U.S. and join my team, uh, the OL Reign in Tacoma, Washington. So I went there in March, and obviously... You know, COVID had initially been going on, but no one knew the severity or what was going to come next. So we get into about a week of training and I was doing about a week of rehab and then all of a sudden everything just shut down. And I was just going back and forth between being able to use the gym and then the trainers and coaches telling us, okay, go grab a bike, go grab all your weights and bring them like to your room. So then I did that for about a week and a half. And then they're like, okay, bring everything back. <laughs> so then we bring everything back to the gym. And then it goes back again. Like now you can't use it again. So just so much back and forth. And we had the option while our like trainers and coaches just told us, okay, if you have somewhere else that's a better place to rehab and to help your process just be smoother and go along quicker. And I'm thinking like, this is not ideal right now. I don't know when I'm going to have the best resources. I don't even have access to my PT. So I immediately thought of Brian because I worked with him uh, last fall because of my knee injury. And in North Carolina, it's been like a home to me as well. So I just thought that would be like the best route to go. Um, so I reached out to him and asked if that would be an option for me to come. And I assumed for about like a month or two. But it's been a little extended. I've been here since April. <laughs> but yeah, it's just been a crazy time not knowing what's happening the next day and having to adapt and also not having a specific timeline with this uh, long injury that I've had. So yeah, that's kind of how it's gone. <laughs> yeah, what would you say if there you know, are any positives that came from this prolonged stay, I guess, in North Carolina, what would you say that those positives are? So I think the positives are definitely, again, just like being able to adapt. And I've learned that, you know, everything can't be planned. Um, 
And I've had so many, obviously, great PTs here. Like I've been working with you, Sam, Brian, Molly, and just being able to work with people who know what they're talking about, who I trust uh, in this process and not feeling like I need to rush back. They're taking care of my body while I'm trying to do the same thing. So I felt really trusted in that process, which honestly, back in March, when I didn't have resources necessarily in Tacoma, I'm like, oh, like, I don't have a bike. Like, what am I going to do for cardio? I can't run right now. I'm struggling to walk. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really big for me coming here um, and also using resources like the blood flow restriction and just having a huge space there, like the fourth performance side as well as the rehab. Those have all been really pivotal in helping me take major strides in my rehab, my journey. I think. Yeah, she had not started any blood flow restriction yet, and part of her injury caused uh, foot drop. So we needed to get the tibialis anterior to start firing. She, her original injury stemmed from the low back, so while playing, and so we needed to kind of reconnect that connection. And added the blood flow restriction early on, uh, but the pivotal point came when we actually started adding retrograde walking. I think we'll feel the same with that. The retrograde walking up a slight incline encourages you to pick up the toe when you're walking. With the blood flow restriction, we do use the Delphi Own Science Recovery Unit, and that is a unit, although costly, is much better than any other kind of unit out there. I think some of the less costly units are getting better, but still, I think Delphi unit is the gold standard. So we were able to use that uh, in two eight-minute intervals using their protocol, which are extensively studied research protocols, to start to put into play. And she started doing retrograde walking almost daily and two times in the session. So I think now we're at three times a week now, at two times within that session. And then we'll hopefully be able to give her what's nice about the, the uh, own science recovery unit is measures your own personal level of glute. And then we'll give that, even though that changes on a, on a monthly basis, so to speak, with diet and fitness levels, nutrition and stuff like that, uh, we can probably give her a pretty good idea of what her occlusion level is when she leaves to go back to the ring. And then we can even use the regular blood flow to then restrict and include and she continues to do the retrograde walk. So that has been kind of one of the big things that you to get her back that tibialis period and firing. So one of the things I want to add here is that she's doing all of this and she she definitely wants to play. And uh, and so her all you know while she was rehabbing with us, her team actually then entered a tournament. So I'll let Julia speak about a little bit about how that was a little challenging because I think she felt that she wanted to be there and help contribute. And they were one of the uh, contenders to, to win and, and felt like they were a big favorite going into that. And I think Julia was going to be a part of that. And so knowing that she was going to be here now and not contributing, I think I'll let her speak to how she thought about that. Yeah. So again, just been taking everything day by day, not knowing what was going to happen next. Um, initially, the league told, or the league commissioner, just everybody involved on the board, they told us we probably weren't going to have a season. And then one day, 
we get a notification about a Zoom call and suddenly there's a tournament. <laughs> and so I'm in probably the middle of my rehab process or maybe a little further along in the middle of like where I want to be at my angle back to playing. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like all of a sudden this tournament coming. So then that shortly after that, I was talking with my like team operations and our owner and everybody just coordinating how I was doing there and what their plan was. At the time my team couldn't train in Tacoma um, just because of all the regulations and you know, we couldn't, we just weren't allowed to. So they had to go do preseason for the tournament in Montana and the tournament was going to be in Utah. So it was going to be a month in Montana and then a month in Utah. And after discussing with my owner and our team operations person, it was just the best move for me to stay here. And I thought I'd be going back even like at the state I was, was, but they just weren't able, we weren't able to like accommodate all that together because I wouldn't have the resources that I have here out there. And yeah, that was kind of how it worked out. I definitely wanted to be there with my team. And it was cool watching over social media and just talking to my teammates, how everything was going. And it was great just seeing like the bond and everyone growing together, especially during this time, because you probably wouldn't have that same amount of time together. <laughs> you probably, you know, because spending it like, you know, separating yourself a little bit from soccer, but it was more so soccer 24 seven. But I think in that way, it worked out great for everybody. So it was really cool watching that. But yeah, it was definitely tough I wanted to be there but I think long term this was probably the place for me to be uh, during this time and I think I've gotten better for it mentally and physically nice so as you're heading back this weekend right what would you say that you're most looking forward to with return to play definitely just getting back with my team so I haven't trained with them yet I've only watched and just getting to know my teammates, playing with them together, getting understanding of how we play and knowing my role on the team, my coach's expectations of how, what and what I need to do to help my team win and do better. I'm just really looking forward to that and just being back on the field. It's been a long time and I'm really <laughs> missing it. So, you know, despite, you know, the injuries that you've had recently and injuries that you've had in the past, what would you say? is your biggest motivator for wanting to continue playing and playing passionately? It's a tough question. I, I just don't think I know anything different. So last year when I injured my knee when I was in Sweden, I actually had a friend ask me, she's like, so are, you think you're done playing? And I was like, <laughs> so offended. <laughs> I'm like, girlfriend, <laughs> you think I'm stopping now? Like, I just started playing professionally. <laughs> so obviously... You hear people talk about it all the time, you know, like, yeah, I stopped playing because I had an injury. And, you know, there are so many injuries that end people's careers. And, or maybe just even after an injury that isn't specifically career ending, they're just like, you know, I'm done feeling this pain or I just don't, I have other life goals that I want to reach. But this, this is my goal. I want to become the best soccer player that I can be. And even facing these different obstacles, it's not going to stop me. I'm just going to need to keep doing the recovery, keep doing the specific shrinking exercises, doing the extra so I can be on that level and so I can keep going upward on that ascension. Yeah, so I think that's what motivates me. And it's definitely been tough during this time, especially 
obviously you're alone a lot of the time during an injury process, but even more so during this one, I felt like very alone at times and knowing that I had a time period when I would go back to be with my team. That definitely helped me like set my sights toward that. So I know that um, Sam and I have been trying to recruit you to do triathlon once. once <laughs> yeah. The soccer career is over. Being part of Cool City Park. Yeah. <laughs> Julia put up some serious watts in the watt bike. So. Thank yeah. you. After three months of just bike. Yeah. <laughs> So um, Sam was a swimmer in, in her collegiate days, and I was a soccer player in my collegiate days. So we, uh, it, was a, it was a pretty easy transition for us to be competitive and, and, and get something else to do our fire. Uh, so you're coming out of Carolina. Exercise and sports science. <laughs> what is life after soccer? Have you thought about that at all? I know that you're pretty driven to succeed and be the best defender you possibly be now. I feel like I have a lot of different interests. <laughs> I'm still not positive. Um, I definitely want to use my degree in some way or further my education. I think being around just the physical therapy environment for so long and just having that passion for exercise and just health in general, I could see myself going down a similar route. I also love coaching and I'm very passionate about that. I've been doing that for a while as well. I'm very interested in nutrition too. So I think one of those a lot of that. <laughs> different yeah. So I definitely have a couple different things. Uh, yeah, so I'm not positive with which route I want to go down yet, but I I could see any of those in my near future. <laughs> or hopefully not too near. <laughs> as well as triathlon. What would you say, you know, is your current mindset going into the season? Obviously the season is gonna be very different than any season you've experienced, you know, collegiately, professionally. So what's your mindset going into this? And maybe talk about like what, so when you do return to Washington, what, what, what's happening now? So what, what happens in the fall and what are you projected to do in the spring? So at this point. What- yes. So as of right now, we have a two month season. Um, so mid August to about mid October. It sounds like we're going to be doing about another month of preseason transitioning from having a little bit of a break to back to running right now. I think that's what all the other girls are doing. And then, yeah, we're all getting back into training. And then hopefully mid September, we'll be playing some games against other professional teams. It's probably no more than like about six games. So. Looking into that from my perspective, obviously want to get into training very soon. That's where I'm progressing at the moment and returning back into things. And hopefully I can somehow contribute to the team. But again, I also want to be fully healthy and ready to go. So I do have my sights also set on next year of being just fully locked in, ready to play by March 2021. So I think for me and the team, this has been a year of a lot of rebuilding and growth. We have a new coach. We have so many new players who got traded um, and, and left. So just learning the style that we want to play together and how we want to win. And I think we'll work a lot on that this fall and how we can improve from just the tournament and then how we can even be better for next March. Um, so I think, again, like just taking day by day and doing all the little things to get where we want to be. And just get on the same page. Yeah. So one other thing, well, I'll add here is um, 
is that Julia is coming from a team that is owned by a, a French team, Olympia Leonis, and they, um, every team across the league, as well as this pretty much applies to any sport, uh, each team and their response to injuries and how they bring their athletes along are, are different. And so we've been very lucky to, to have um, the rain kind of jump on board with what Julia has been doing. They've been, they've been giving her the time that she's needed, even though this was originally supposed to be just a one month kind of stay and then potentially help join them during their tournament. It quickly turned into we're not ready for that yet, so there's no need to go. And so now we're at this stage. And even now, when, when she's looking to return back, there's several players that are on loan and there's several players that are not with the team. So then sometimes when the team is recessed like that, then they're looking to have bodies that get out there and play. And they've been re really receptive towards if she's not ready, then she's not going to take the field. So luckily, Julia's had a pretty good organization and and a lot of you have, have seen in the news that we've got some new teams coming under multiple ownerships and and so um, you know it's going to be interesting to see how those teams respond but I think Sam and I as, as the physical therapist and especially in our case we're coming in kind of as a third party in this situation where Julia comes to us she knows us from her UNC days but we don't really have, we're not um, in coma, we're not in Washington with her. So we're, we're kind of a third party advocate. And so what has been great about the rain and what I think uh, as other practitioners who may be listening to this podcast eventually um, can, can recognize is that you have to be an advocate for the athlete. Because at times the athlete wants to not let anybody down. And, and so doesn't want to let the management down, doesn't want to let the the coach down, if I want to let other trainers down. And so, she, you know, he or she will usually do what is asked of them. And, and most high-level athletes will put themselves in somewhat of a little bit of a dangerous position uh, to perform. And, um, you know, uh, there's one thing that I've been taught when I was playing, and that, you know, you're never at 100%, but you always give 100%. And that's kind of true. And I think Julia has some experience in that. When you're a high-level athlete, you put a high demands on your body, and there's always something that's kind of not always 100%. So you have to know, well, is it just not feeling great and I can get through it, or is it just not feeling great and could potentially lead to injury? And I think an athlete sometimes is timid to make those decisions. So in this example, we've had kind of two good things. One, Julia is an advocate for herself. And so She's very knowledgeable about her own body, comes from having a, uh, you know, a sound science foundation from a good university, but she also is an advocate for herself. So that's helpful. Um, but in addition, I think us as healthcare professionals, whatever level, even if you're directly associated with the team, I think you have to be very cautious about getting caught up into what the coach wants. You know, obviously the coach is going to want the best team out there. And if he or she feels that Julia, is going to be one of those players that we're going to push, have them on the field quicker, perhaps should be, um, because he knows that this team is going to be stronger. So I think we have to know at whatever level, even if you are the trainer on that team, if it is detrimental to the athlete, you have to step in and say they're not ready because that in the long run, yes, maybe that's not going to you know be ideal for that game, even that tournament, like really to miss the tournament. But 
it'll prolong their career, and uh, you know the coach should ultimately then gain better uh, confidence in how you handle that situation, and so that then when Julia does come back under more confidence herself and under better preparation, then she's ready to go. So I think this is a was a, a good opportunity for us to to see how. The rain handled it, and I think they did a great job. And I think Julia could also testify to that. But it is definitely concerned going forward that more and more athletes will get hurt if if they they themselves don't have quite the advocate behind them, or are as outspoken as Julia is about. Good things, and I think um, you know Julia is unique in that. She does want to succeed just as much, and she wants, and she's going to give effort. Like, I don't think we've had uh, as many people give uh, as hard or equal effort to what Julia puts in when she comes in here. But she also recognizes if her body is not primed to go and potentially lead to injury. So I think that that is an important part. If you don't have an athlete who, who will speak on their, you have to step up and speak on their behalf. So in this situation, I think it worked out well for everybody. We both. We're talking. Um, the rain and their staff have interacted with us. You know, you got a lot of moving parts. So Julia's got not only her upper management and the coach, she's got uh, a training staff, and the training staff consists of you know a, an actual kind of liaison as well as a sports performance person, as well as an outside physical therapist that works with there. So there's a lot of moving parts, but I think we. have navigated those waters and everybody seems to be pretty receptive on her return so you know at this point i think she is ready to transition i think they are uh ready for her to get there and i think she can gain benefit from being there participating in, in, in a majority of kind of the non-contact stuff initially and then and then kind of easing her way into contact as she goes but at the same time to learn the new focus system and, and be there and be present um and i yeah, so just to add on a little bit, I feel like I have been very lucky in terms of the good communication between us here and back at the rain. And I've definitely had times in the past, and I know many other athletes could agree with me in this sense, that it's sometimes hard to, even within the same team, to have your coach, your physical athletic trainer, and then like the sports person all be on the same page, and even in the same school like having them communicate well with each other. <laughs> that communication is tough sometimes because, again, there are different expectations of how what the coach wants, where the athlete you know, thinks the athlete is, and how the athlete actually feels. And, again, I've definitely had times in the past, like looking back at even high school and in college, obviously I was a little bit younger and my body might have been able to adapt to different things a little bit easier, like just different knocks that I faced. But yeah, I definitely wasn't as in tune and aware of like, oh, that's bothering me. Like, maybe I should listen to it. <laughs> so now being older and having experienced many different injuries and over have overcome them, um, I definitely am more in tune. But at the same time, I do push um, and I want to keep pushing. So you're ready to go. Very excited about it. Same place that you were saying before. Yes. And we got a roommate that folks on the team. I guess you got a new roommate that was brought on. Yes. Yep. So I'm excited to be back in Tacoma on the Puget Sound. And yeah, like you just said, Brian, I'm very excited to be immersed within the team and just being more involved in soccer specific. 
everything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be uh, like bittersweet, I guess, with you leaving too. Um, you know, for anyone listening to this podcast, I mean, Julia, we have got like a running joke around here that she lives here and that she <laughs> she like stays in the massage room because if you come in, whether it's 7 a.m. or 7 p.m., your chances of seeing her is pretty high. Um, and, you know, so really, yeah, which is really beneficial for us too. I mean, we're seeing all aspects of your rehab and your training here, you know, whether you're using the blood flow restriction and you're on the treadmill or you're out on the turf, you know, whatever you're doing, we're getting to see each component of that. And I think, you know, you're you're a prime example of doing all the things you can on those watches. You know, you don't you don't have your team here, you don't have your coaches here, and you're still doing all of these things that most people, you know, don't necessarily do unless someone is watching them and someone is holding them accountable. So it's been cool to see. Um yeah, I know that we're gonna miss having here and seeing your hard work. It's been great. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I'll be back. Not with Hopefully. an injury, though. <laughs> but yeah, my experience here has just been so excellent. And I just rave about it to people all the time, especially like within this area. I think this place is so special, especially because, I mean, it's force performance and physical therapy. And I think so many places need to have that. Because when I've been injured in the past, I've been in the physical therapy environment that is just so limited. Like, there is no transition. And I think back to sport or back to just regular life. And even, like, when you're in that environment, you're like, okay, how do I, like, do this next step? Like, it's not even, there isn't a process of, like, doing that. And I think here, having this amazing staff, Brian, Sam, Molly have all helped lead me back into that process each each time I have been injured and I think that's what's so special about this place I'm like it's two and one like what the heck it's so cool <laughs> but yeah such a close tight-knit community here like every you guys all do everything together even outside of work um so I think that's really special and you don't buy that everywhere Thanks for listening to episode one of the Upright Athlete Podcast with Julie Ashley. For more information on this podcast and topics to discuss, please visit our Instagram account, Upright Athlete, and follow the link in our bio. In summary, this episode serves as a reminder to us as medical professionals to be an advocate for our athletes and in determining their timing for appropriate return to sport. In the next episode, we will be talking with Eric Hegedus about his experiences in movement analysis with runners. Stay tuned for more.